Today on Ag News Daily. I think it's a little less intense in the soybeans than the corn. For one thing, the veg oil high prices have started to ration out some of the demand for veg oil, so I think that's part of it. The other thing is, I think there is a good chance we might pick up a few more bean acres potentially. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Market Monday episode of the Agnew Daily Podcast. Delaney Howell joined today by Cassidy Zirkel. Cassidy, it is a girl team today. Yes, I'm very excited to be recording a whole episode with you, Delaney. I haven't got to do it yet. I think you'll be a little more fun than Tanner. Well, yeah, he's a little bit of a wet noodle. But <laughs> folks, before we get into some news, I wanted to remind you this episode is brought to you by Your Soy Checkoff. We're going to be talking about some new USB programs later this week. But Cassidy, I tell you what, this past weekend, I know you had some big news to share with our listeners. I did. It was a pretty crazy weekend for me. On Friday night, my husband commissioned into the U.S. Army as a second lieutenant. And on Saturday, we both graduated from Sam Houston State University. And now you're in the job world. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. It's kind of terrifying, if I'm being honest. Yeah, well, that's okay. Join the club. It doesn't really (laughs) get better from here. Thanks. But this weekend, I think we're, we saw a lot of, at least up here in the Corn Belt, Cassidy, we saw a lot of planters hitting the ground. And I'm thinking we're going to see some pretty aggressive numbers for today's crop progress report, which comes out later this afternoon. So we'll be reporting on that tomorrow, but we're talking markets today. And one of the big markets, we're going to chat with Jim McCormick from agmarket.net coming up here in just a moment is going to have to be the wheat market, Cassidy, because over the weekend, we saw officially that India has banned all wheat exports, which has sent wheat limit up trading in the overnight. Wheat was limit up on Friday and wheat has finished limit up today. But We'd seen rumors that we thought this was going to come to fruition, and I don't think it comes as a surprise because as you think about being able to feed your own uh, own country and basically you're eight meals away, Cassidy, from a riot in a country. So if you can't feed your people, they're going to be unhappy. And so we have officially seen India ban that as of today. And I would have to say, Delaney, I'm sure the... Relations between Russia and Ukraine are not helping that wheat price as an article that I'm reporting on showing that a Russian pilot actually attacked a Ukrainian farmer while he was cultivating this past week. So those are not getting better. And because we know that Ukraine exports a lot of food as well, I'm sure we're going to see a lot of countries reacting in the same way out of fear of the F word. Yes, exactly. Thanks for picking up on that. And, you know, as you continue to look at other countries that may follow suit, it was highly unlikely that the U.S. would ever do something like that. I don't even know the last time we did do uh, some sort of export ban like that. So highly unlikely that we would do that. But this week, we'll also see the Wheat Quality Council's annual hard winter wheat tour. That's a mouthful, uh, which will basically check yields and their estimates of wheat fields in Kansas, southern Nebraska, and northern Oklahoma during the four-day event, which starts tomorrow and ends Thursday. So they'll be doing field sampling and yield yield and production estimates, Cassie, to see what's going to come out of hard winter wheat country and what kind of crop is there or isn't there. 
Well, speaking of soil and land, I also picked up on another article that explained that Corn Belt land has soared in value over the past year. It said that 48% of banks also predicted even higher values in the second half of 2022, while it's already soared 23% compared to the past year. I saw that story as well. And the question I keep having, and nobody's really got an answer yet, is when will this uh, land market bubble burst? Also a tongue twister, but we continue to watch land prices skyrocket. And at some point, Cassidy, you'd think this has to come back around. I would hope so. Same with gas prices. We hit over $4 this weekend and I am ready for them to drop. Yeah, it was a bad time on my part to buy a pickup truck. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad I have my little Ford Fiesta that gets 32 miles per gallon. Yes, well, you count yourself lucky during this time because a lot of (laughs) farmers are are not so lucky. I wanted to also mention this, you know, as we're talking about potential production issues, it's still too early this year to really see what's going to be in the ground, obviously, as we're just now getting planted. But the second week of May was the sixth driest week of May in 30 plus years for the Corn Belt, which is a little ironic because, you know, we were having a couple of weeks there of such wet weather, we couldn't get into the fields at all. Now we're having kind of the opposite story. And like I said, again, going to be really interested to see what comes out of today's crop progress report, Cassidy, to see how quickly we can get this thing planted. I know we reported last week on the podcast of the quickest week of planting we'd ever done. And I think it was something like 40 percentage points from the week prior that we got planted. So it'll be interesting to see if today we break that record. Yes. And I'm hopeful that the really wet weather that was bothering farmers so much this past spring will help y'all through this dry time coming into summer because of the soil moisture that's available. Yeah, absolutely. You took the words right out of my mouth. The USDA has already started predicting how much poultry and beef will be produced this year. And it says that the prediction for 2023 has lowered to 25.95 billion pounds, down from 27.84 billion pounds in 2022. This is due to the lowering in beef production, outweighing and offsetting the pork and poultry production by quite a bit. Absolutely. Cassidy, before we continue on to the news here, I wanted to take a quick pause and hear from today's sponsor, United Soybean Board. Who mapped the soybean genome? You did. Yes, you. Better varieties are on the way. Today's soybean farmers, that's you, are achieving big breakthroughs in seed. How? By pooling your resources through your soy checkoff. Your Soy Checkoff research sequenced the soybean genome to help seed companies and other researchers bring better varieties faster to your operation. See all the ways your Soy Checkoff is moving soy forward for you at unitedsoybean.org slash hopper. I tell you what, speaking of the USDA, we got some key announcements today about two actually veterans of the USDA that will serve in some sub-cabinet positions at the department. Stacey Dean was nominated to serve as the Undersecretary for Nutrition, and Alexis Taylor was nominated to serve as the Undersecretary for Trade. So two pretty key roles here that we're finally seeing nominations come out of the White House. However, of course, these nominations will require Senate approval, uh, but does fill two of the four Undersecretary vacancies at the USDA. So certainly some, the trade one in particular is the key one that I know a lot of folks have been watching for. 
So Delaney, can you educate me on that a little bit? Are those voted positions or are those appointed positions? Good question. Those are appointed positions to some extent. However, the president has the ability to nominate those folks. Largely, I'm guessing he's, you know, talking with Secretary Vilsack and others to help make those decisions. But then following that, it has to go through the Senate, which could be a little bit of a bumpy ride since we do see a pretty split Senate there. If it were going through the House, it would probably largely sail through since that is Democratic uh, ran right now. But because the Senate is pretty split, uh, there could be potentially some holdups. I haven't, this just came out before we recorded today. So I haven't had time to really read through those two candidates to see what their stances are on key issues that will be key to those voting in the Senate. But that's essentially in a nutshell, really slimmed down version of how the process works. Okay. Thank you for that information. I have been trying to get myself educated on the governmental process for the USDA. Yes, absolutely. But I tell you what, I have just one more quick story to share with our listeners today, Cassidy, and that is, again, coming from USDA, looking at some disaster relief funds from 2020 and 2021 that are finally hitting the pipeline. More than 220,000 crop producers hit by natural disasters in 2020 and 2021 should should soon start seeing disaster payments hit their uh, bank accounts announced by Monday this afternoon, or excuse me, the USDA on Monday afternoon. It will be $6 billion released under the Farm Service Agency's Emergency Relief Program. And this has been a payment that has been long overdue. Lots of folks wondering when these payments would come to fruition because there were things like drought, hurricanes, wildfires, winter storms, and others uh, that were approved under the WIP and WIP Plus or the Wildfire and Hurricane Indemnity Program. But under the Biden administration, they renamed it to the Emergency Relief Program. So it is the same thing if you were thinking, oh, I thought we were talking about WIP and WIP Plus. Same payment program, just renamed under the Biden administration. But you should see those checks hit your bank account, hit your mailbox here within the next couple of weeks. Well, that is exciting after... Tanner and I discussed some of those funds being voted on last week on the show. It's exciting to know that that is hitting, but it is also a little bit discouraging knowing how long it takes to get that funding since the big winter storm in Texas hit over a year ago and they're just now being paid for that. It makes me wonder how long it will take for those being hit by wildfires and drought this year will take to get their funding. Yes, absolutely. Could be quite some time because, yeah, two years plus for some of these folks. Well, Delaney, um, time for us to hop into markets. Are you ready? I am. But before we do that, Cassidy, let's take one more quick pause to hear from today's sponsor. Who mapped the soybean genome? You did. Yes, you. Better varieties are on the way. Today's soybean farmers, that's you, are achieving big breakthroughs in seed. How? By pooling your resources through your soy checkoff. Your Soy Checkoff research sequenced the soybean genome to help seed companies and other researchers bring better varieties faster to your operation. See all the ways your Soy Checkoff is moving soy forward for you at unitedsoybean.org slash hopper. Well, Cassidy, as we turn our attention to the markets today, we certainly had a lot of excitement 
notably due to the limit up moves we saw in the wheat markets uh, Friday overnight and again today. So let's start there. Chicago wheat today limit up in the September contract to close at 1251. The sub 69 and a quarter cent to close at 1254 and a quarter. Hard red wheat was the same way today with the July contract limit up to close at 1352, September limit up to close at 1353, and wheat pulled corn and soybeans right along with it as the July corn contract added 28 and a quarter cent to close at 809 and a half. The snoo crop corn up 16 and three quarter cents today, putting in a new contract tie to close at 765 and a half. Soybeans today in the green as well with the July contract adding 10 cents to close at 1656. Nove new beans up 13 and three quarter cents to close at 15 and 12 cents. And hopping over into the livestock pits today, mixed trade in the cattle complex as the August contract added $1.55 to close at 133.90. The October up 72 pennies to close at 139.85. Feeder cattle were lower today as the August contract shed 60 cents to close at $1.6742. The September down 62.5 cents to close at $1.7005. And in lean hogs today, the July contract adding 360 to close at 104.80. August up $3.35, settling the day out at 104.80. And lastly, wrapping things up here with the class three dairy milk futures. June today up 60 cents to close at 24.43. The July up 54 cents, closing the day out at 24.28. Cassidy, without further ado, let's kick it over to our conversation with Jim McCormick. Well, folks, as promised, we are chatting today with Jim McCormick of agmarket.net. Jim, there's certainly no shortage of topics to talk about today. No doubt about it, Delaney. Coming out of the weekend, uh, I think the topic that's probably foremost in everyone's mind is what the heck happened to the wheat market? The yes. wheat market exploded higher. And that kind of, you know, kept set the, you know, set the market tone for all the mar- all the ag markets, actually, in my opinion. Yeah, and I completely agree. That was going to be my number one question for you is just, you know, obviously we got the news that India has banned wheat exports, but still block limit up what Friday night, overnights last night, and then again today. Is that accurate? Well, that's what it was. We went home on, and here's what kind of happened, Delaney. When we went home on Friday, there was a lot of talk last week was, well, would India, would or would they not suspend exports? There was talk maybe they would, and then they, then going home on Friday, the rhetoric was India was actually sending delegates out to other countries of the world saying, hey, work with us. We're willing to sell you wheat. So the trade kind of went home on Friday thinking, well, you know, India is going to be one of the countries that's going to step up and fill some of that void of the wheat Mm -hmm. that's not being able to be exported out of the Ukraine. And then out of nowhere, Friday night, Saturday morning, the Ukraine, uh, the Indians did 180 degree reversal said, we're going to suspend pretty much all wheat exports. And now what the market's trying to figure out is what do we do next? Because it was anticipated they would sell up to eight and a half million metric tons of wheat onto the world market, maybe two, two and a half has been shipped out. So you're looking at five and a half, six million metric tons of wheat that the world was anticipating to use that's no longer available. And that potentially could force demand right back to the United States. But when you look what's going on in the United States, it is still mm-hmm. warm and dry in the plains. They're looking for that winter wheat condition ratings to be about 29% good to excellent compared to 48% a year ago. Spring wheat plantings, we are not getting that crop planted. We're guessing around 40% planted. Normally, we're 85% planted. So the world wheat situation got very, very tight 
in a very, very short period due to that headline. And that is what brought the demand buyers a little bit of panic buying into the wheat market today. Now, Jim, a couple of follow-up questions for you. One is we saw all the wheat markets rally today, but what type of wheat does does India specifically produce? And the second question I had was, has the U.S. ever put export bans on agricultural commodities like this? Um, As for the wheat, I'm not positive. I think it's a little bit of soft and hard combined for the produce. But as for the 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 ban on it no i don't believe we ever have done it because in general we've always been a pretty much a surplus producer of products for the world so we've never done it but you know the market right now will you know we tend to let the market do what they're going to do free market in that aspect and the higher prices is going to ration out demand and it becomes a real problem especially for the world's poor people egypt some of those places in sub-Africa where they have to import a lot of their food, this is going to put them in a very precarious position economically and politically. Um, If you look back to the Arab Spring back about 10 years ago when you had a lot of riots around the world, a lot of that had to do with the price of food. And the price of food today is higher than it was back then. So it's something we really need to keep an eye on. But no, I don't see the U.S. essentially suspending exports, but the high price will preclude some people from buying our product, I believe. And those other countries like India that are starting to ban their exports, do you predict that they will do this with any other crops besides wheat? Do you predict corn or soybean, any other type of products are going to be banned exports? And will that lead to even more food insecurity and geopolitical problems across the world? I believe you will, because we've already seen it, um, Cassidy. If you look what happened in the bean oil, there was reports that Indonesia was going to suspend palm oil exports because of the high cost of food. So, yeah, I think what you're going to see around the countries, especially some of these bigger countries that want to make sure their population's fed, they will back off and you will see more protectionism around the world. And if we continue to have problems, I think you'll see more and more of that happen. And that that's that's going to cause a lot of problems in the world, plain and simple, I believe, if it if it goes that far. But if you look back in history, folks, plain and simple, when people lose political power, it usually had to do a lot with high food prices and energy prices. So the politicians in these different countries around the world are going to try to protect their own domestic interests first, even if it will drive the price of world food even higher than it already is. Jim, on a more positive note, uh, we saw a lot of planters hit the field this past weekend. Uh, We're recording this before today's crop progress report comes out, but what's the trade expecting today? Well, right now, the average trade guess for plantings for corn is about 48%. I think our group was at 47. The bean plantings were at 29. It's pretty much where our group was looking at. But the one thing, Delaney, was the, the 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 width of the guesses, I guess is how I put it. The range was 42% on the low end of corn plantings, the high end 58. A year mm-hmm. ago, it was 80. Bean plantings, the range 24 to 36. A year ago, it was 61. So that just shows you the trade really has got a really hard guess of what's going to happen. I got to tell you, when I went home this weekend, I did not think we'd hit 50% planted. Heck, when we gave our estimates to the press earlier today, I didn't think we'd be at 50% planted. I got to say, as I'm talking to several of my producers across the Midwest, especially in the I states, parts of Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, a lot of ground was covered over the weekend. So it wouldn't shock me if we came up over a little over 50 or 51. It wouldn't shock me. We'd still be behind the pace, 
but maybe we've made a little bit more progress in the I states. The place that really is dragging right now continues to be the Northern Plains. Um, they're struggling. We got a few guys maybe try to start going the next day or two, but the problem is there's more rain in the forecast. And the talk up there now is, do I switch from corn to beans or do I just go to prevent plant? Well, that's going to be an interesting question too. And I'm eager to get your take on that. Do you think we see a lot of prevent plant acres? And do you think we see a large acreage shift on the June 30th report? I don't think it'd be a major shift, but I, I think what was potentially is going to happen is you might lose a little bit of corn acres due to the prevent plant in the north. The government's at 89 and a half million acres. I wouldn't be surprised if it falls closer to 89 in June when it's all said and done. It's interesting. We're not hearing a really big shift of guys who are asking their seed dealers to bring them corn right now, which is kind of interesting because when you look at the price of corn, where it's trading at right now, you think, well, maybe these guys are going to switch to corn. But we're so late in the calendar year, it seems like a lot of guys are just sticking with that original plan and they're running with it. Whatever they said they said they're going to do in March, that's where we're going to stick with it. So no, it looks like at this point, we're probably not going to see any major adjustments. And when you fall to the corn situation, that's where it gets really, really critical because 89 and a half million acres is what they're using right now. You multiply that Delaney with a roughly, we harvest about 92, 92% of that planted acres. And the 177 yield is, which is what they used last week, which was below mm-hmm. trend, but would still tie the best crop ever. That essentially would keep if you don't adjust demand, your carryout falls to a billion. The government cut demand by roughly 270 million, and that kept the carryout at 1.3. So the real question is, if you start losing a half million acres to prevent plant, and then essentially you start dragging that trend yield down a few more bushels, closer to 74, 75, 174 to 175, because we are planting this crop in far from ideal conditions. And the guys in the north that are going to get it in are going to use shorter dated corn varieties, all of a sudden, your balance sheet falls below a billion bushels. And the real question is, are we've gone high enough to ration demand? Because that's where you'd be. That's the kind of situation we develop if we cannot hit those yields. So uh, the volatility this summer is probably going to increase, not decrease. Well, Jim, with that being said, I think that's a good segue into one of my last questions I had here. But we saw fresh contract highs today in the December corn contract. Uh, do you think this is the year we put in all-time highs for corn and beat what we set back in 2012-2013? I lean to think, yes, we probably will when it's all said and done. I mean, it's not a guarantee. I'm going to stress that. It is a futures market. Mm -hmm. But when you look at where the balance sheet is and how tight we are, like I said, we need every one of those 89 and a half million acres. And we need essentially a record yield just to meet the same demand this year. And like I said, now the government's lowered demand for this upcoming year, but that's in, that's really in, a question that I think is unanswered. When you look what's going on in the Ukraine, they've got up to 25 million metric tons of grain produced from a year ago that they can't get exported. Now you've got another crop they're getting planted. They're not going to have a full crop. They're estimating their crop may be down a third, but even if it's down to a third and they have two thirds of a crop that they're able to harvest on the corn specifically, how do they get it out? Where do they store that grain? So as long as you can't get that grain out of Ukraine, it's probably going to force more demand to the United States, which means our export number the government gave us is probably understated. So I think when you take the understated demand, I think we'll start showing up this summer combined with the odds of a warmer, drier summer. Most of the weather guys we read have been arguing that as we go into June, July, August, we will transition to a warmer, drier bias, especially into the western corn belt 
and then you add on the inflationary hype that's going on around the world, I think the dynamic is set that, yes, we will make and take out those all-time highs in the corn. Now, what about soybeans? Because we've still got, you know, about $2 and some change until we get to those summer highs set back in 2012. Is the story still the same there in soybeans? I think it's a little less intense in the soybeans than the corn. For one thing, the veg oil high prices have started to ration out some of the demand for veg oil. So I think that's part of it. The other thing is, I think there is a good chance we might pick up a few more bean acres potentially due to the late corning planting of, of corn. And they might just suit, switch to beans. So I think the odds of us making a move for those all-time highs and beans aren't quite as optimistic unless we have a hot, dry August. If we would turn out to have a hot, dry August and all of a sudden start taking a couple bushels off a trend, then you could get a very volatile situation that could make the beans surge back to their all-time highs. Jim, final question for you. Before we let you go, where can folks find you if they want to pick your brain a little bit more about markets? Well, I think the best thing to find us right now is honestly go to our website, agmarket.net. That is where anybody can sign up for our research. The other thing they could also do is go to the ag, go to either the Google store or the iTunes store and download our app. Fantastic. Jim, certainly appreciate you coming on and chatting markets with us again today. We'll do it again real soon. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, Delaney, that was a very educational conversation for me, even though I only asked one question. That's okay. That's more than, well, I can't say Tanner asked that many <laughs> questions our first couple of times, and I had to feed him a couple questions here and there. So you'll learn as you go. I am learning a lot from it, and I really enjoy being a part of these conversations so that I can build my knowledge. Well, we appreciate having you on to build those conversations with us. And folks, we appreciate you tuning in with us every Market Monday to learn with us as well. But Cassidy, with that, shall we let the people go? Let's let them go.